Hello, it's David here, and thank you for listening to the Leader Coronavirus Daily. Please do subscribe and share us through your podcast provider. Give us a rating too. That helps us a lot in growing the show. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. Hi, I'm David Marsden. The devastating toll of coronavirus in care homes has been revealed. If you look at elderly care home residents, more than 12,000 have died since the start of this outbreak in Britain. Our deputy political editor, Nicholas Cecil, on Office for National Statistics figures, but can anything be done about it? And I think Sadiq's now trying to think about the short-term sticking plaster of this loan, but in the future, I think he's considering a whole remodelling of of the way it's all funded. Comment editor Susie Butter as infection rates tumble in London, but it's not taking any pressure off the mayor, Sadiq Khan. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, what can be done to protect care homes from coronavirus? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. There have been warnings for weeks. Operators of care homes made urgent appeals for help, like PPE for their staff, as coronavirus began its spread through some of the country's most vulnerable. Now we know the cost. 12,000 care home deaths since this crisis began. The figures are from the Office for National Statistics, who say they're continuing to look into it. A higher figure could yet be announced. Our Deputy Political Editor Nicholas Cecil's with me now. Nicholas, what sort of picture do these figures paint about COVID-19 in our care home system? Well, these figures today are, are slightly different because they show not only the number of deaths in care homes, but the number of residents of care homes who are dying, which is slightly different. Previously, we've had figures for care homes, but today's are really quite shocking because they show that If you look at elderly care home residents, more than 12,000 have died since the start of this outbreak in Britain. Just over 9,000 of those have passed away in care homes, but then a further 3,400 have died in hospitals. And the figure is actually likely to be even higher because there are lots of people, thousands of, of people 
dying beyond what you would expect at this time of year. Experts look at excess deaths, and these are 50,000 higher for the time of the epidemic compared to the same period on, on average over the previous five years. Now, not all these deaths are from coronavirus, but there are thousands which are unexplained. So the real death toll from coronavirus is almost certainly higher. And if you looked at indirect deaths as well, this includes people dying because they haven't been able to access hospital care. There are probably thousands of those cases as well. And I think that figure, 12,000, apparently is around about a quarter of all deaths. I mean, is there anything that can be done or what are people calling for to be done to help care homes and the staff and the patients in them? Well, certainly the, the government has been accused of several failures over its care homes policy during the epidemic. Patients were being discharged from hospital into care homes without being tested. There have been shortages of personal protective equipment for healthcare, for care home staff. And some staff have also been working in several care homes, which risks the infection spreading from care home to care home. Now, the government is taking action on all these issues, but Labour and many people in the care sector believe this action is, is, is far too late. Well, one example is Sir Keir Starmer highlighted in recent days that the advice, government advice, as late as March the 12th, was saying that it is very unlikely that care home residents will get infected with COVID. Now, at the time, that was probably the case because the level in, of the number of cases was very low. But reading that advice, people could have been misled over the real dangers to people in care homes. There are, have been other figures released. We now know that the rate of coronavirus infections in London is down to just 24 a day. That must be really encouraging for the city. Yes, well, that's the, the number of new cases, uh, according to one study. So we don't know this for sure, but academics at Cambridge University using data from Public Health England have modelled um, the scenarios in, in, in London and around the country. And for London, it could be as few as 24 new cases a day. One thing they look at is what they call R, which is the, the, the rate of infection. Um, this is how many cases, if one person is, is infected, how many other people he or she will infect. And in London, that figure is believed to be about 0.4. Now, if you compare that to the highest region in the country, Yorkshire and the North East, it is not, that has a rate of 0.8. So the, the, the disease seems to be under far greater control in London. And this is leading to pressure from Tory MPs in particular to start easing the lockdown in the capital soon. But if you do that, then you kind of have this piecemeal almost approach to regional re regions being unlocked while some stay in lockdown. And that must lead to an incredible amount of complications. Well, certainly the government haven't ruled out a regional approach to easing the lockdown. And that is, in effect, what is already happening in Scotland and in Wales. Certainly in their roadmap out of lockdown, they highlighted that it might not make sense to have the same policies for, for example, Cornwall and Newcastle if the disease was at very different stages there. 
So it's certainly something that ministers will consider, but it immediately throws up lots of problems. For example, messaging. How do you get tailored messages out to different parts of the country? Obviously, the stay-at-home message was very, very clear. Stay alert is nationwide. If you're having to tell Cornwall to do one thing, London to do something different, and then the Midlands, something completely different as well, then it gets very complicated. And also, if you look at London, the population in London, in and out of London, is very, very mobile. So while you could have specific messages for London, people from outside London, other parts of the South East or beyond could easily be bringing the disease back into the capital. Next. I mean, we've already seen all the pictures shared on social media of everyone pressed up against each other on the tube, just like old times. <laughs> and I think he's having to face, I mean, if you just search his name on Twitter, there's a, a lot of criticism. Comment editor Susanna Butter on why falling COVID-19 rates in London don't help a mayor under serious pressure. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. London Mayor Sadiq Khan's given an interview to the Evening Standard's Ross Lydell and Susanna Butter, talking about his own life in lockdown and the pressure on London's transport system. He's asked the government to bail out TfL, and they have, but the response he got is not the one he hoped for, and our editorial column says the mayor only has himself to blame. Fares up. Free travel cut back. The congestion charge up to £15. Weekends included. The £1.6 billion bailout deal for Transport for London will be felt in the pocket by everyone in the city. In his interview with The Evening Standard, Sadiq Khan says the government is making Londoners pay the cost. Actually, what the government has agreed to do is provide more than £1 billion extra to fund the transport service. In return, it is taking a hard look at the way Mr Khan has been spending cash. He has, for example, pandered to unions on wage rises, rather than standing up to them, as one day a mayor will have to do. But this immediate crisis is a moment for partnership, not confrontation. Londoners' transport workers have been on the front line, and as the mayor reminds us today, bus drivers have been losing their lives. The bailout has halted what would have been a disastrous shutdown. Now it's time to rebuild. So 
Suzanne Butters is with me now, and it must have been an interesting time to interview Sadiq Khan because you first start talking to him while he's waiting for the government to respond to his ultimatum about Transport for London. Did he seem under pressure in that moment? He was at home and he was kind of trying to seem calm, um, kind of ready with jokes about his lockdown and his lockdown haircut. But you could see he was very aware of how bad it would be if he didn't get his deal. And yeah, he wanted two billion pounds. He got 1.1 billion and he got a lot of conditions from the government. The situation we're in now is a sign of long-term problems dating way back to when a man called Boris Johnson was mayor. <laughs> I mean, he struggled with funding for TfL and those models. And I think Sadiq's now trying to think about the short-term sticking plaster of this loan. But in the future, I think he's considering a whole remodelling of, of the way it's all funded. The other thing is that the congestion charge is going to go up as well. So people who are thinking, oh, maybe I'll... I'll take my car and I'm going to suddenly find, oh, I can't really afford that either. How are we going to get around in London when, when this eventually ends? If it's not managed properly, we risk having quite a divided London with those who can afford to drive into central London will. Those with bikes who are kind of fit and able to cycle will do that as much as they can, although it's knackering. I mean, I'd have a sort of 24-mile two-way commute if we weren't back. I mean, on the positive side, there's lots of agencies and architects and clean air think tanks trying to capitalise on the change that we've had and use this as an opportunity for wider streets and more cycle paths. Um, and there is a lot of will there, but whether there's the money, especially at a time when TfL has been really hard hit, not just financially, but in terms of staff they've lost, which is another tragic side of what's happened. I think, yeah, Sadiq's under a lot of pressure. I don't envy him. And London might have beaten coronavirus, at least for now. The R rate is down to 0.4. So for every 10 people who are infected, they're likely to pass it on to four people, which is a really low R rate. So we could all start to come back out of our houses. But, but Susie, is, is our London ever going to be the same again? I hope so. <laughs> um, I think it'll take a long time. I don't want to use the phrase the new normal because <laughs> that's been quite overused. I think in terms of everything that makes London, the restaurants, the culture, the people, the ability to get around, we do have one of the best transport systems in the world for all its failings. I think all of that's taken a severe hit. I think people are scared. I think there's huge financial constraints, things like museums that rely on money from visitors from abroad that's all gone so there's been a lot of innovation there's been museums doing incredible new things online there's been live streamed plays Laura Marling is playing live at the Union Chapel but I think we've been severely battered and tragically some businesses won't survive this. The innovation has really kind of got to me in some ways just seeing how hard people are working to try and keep things going like we had at the Wigmore Hall the other day live concerts are back they, they, they're so they, there's no audience and the crew there there are so few of them they, they've all got individual toilets apparently as as was written about in, in the evening standard which I thought was a lovely detail but it's so great to see how when Something like coronavirus hits a city like London. London does its best to just drive on through, doesn't it? I think all of that's really important because we need that. And that's, 
that sense of collective experience really helps in a time when everyone's completely bewildered. <laughs> Are you going to like just run straight out of the house when lockdown is lifted? Are you going to feel safe when you, when you come out? Am I going to get out of my leggings that I've been living in and <laughs> go in a lap of my I mean, you, you get it even walking down the road and people crossing out of the way, some people wearing face masks, other people not. Lots of people aren't quite sure about that either. Um, I think there's a lot of fear. And I think speaking to doctors and nurses who say that coming home from their shifts on the tube, they're noticing people sitting next to them now and they're quite scared of that. So while the news about the R rate is encouraging, I think there's a lot of caution there as well. And, yeah. and we don't want to speak. And that's the Leader Coronavirus Daily. You can keep up with all the latest COVID-19 developments with the Evening Standard's live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back on Monday at 4pm. <laughs>